Hello, everyone. This is Mike Sedan with the Crucial Talks podcast. On Friday, I had a great conversation with the executive coach. One of the things we talked about included my thoughts on applying the topics I discuss, things like the roles we adopt that drive our behavior and how we categorize ourselves and others into groups and how all that applies to our decision-making. And I use this as a way to explain how human beings, as storytelling social animals, can be receptive to coaching and receptive to self-improvement because of the role that social identity plays in everybody's life. Specifically, we talked about ways that this idea of people adopting roles and categorizing themselves into specific groups can help them with executive presence and transitioning into managerial or executive roles. It was a really interesting conversation. It caused me to pivot on what I thought was going to be this week's episode. So today, we're going to talk about the self-categorization process and how this can help coaches develop their clients and how individuals can coach themselves by understanding the process. There are three key takeaways you're going to get from the episode today. First, self-categorization is the process people use to put themselves into groups and see the role they believe they need to play in those groups. Second, self-categorization allows people to adopt behaviors and is therefore really important when people adopt new roles in their lives. This can include the role of a partner, a parent, a friend, a coworker, a boss, or taking on a new job. And third, because we adopt behaviors based on the roles we accept as important, self-categorization is a powerful tool to use for coaching others and for our own self-improvement. Let's start with a quick demonstration of categorization, then we'll apply it to people. Imagine I laid out a bunch of tools in front of you. There's a claw hammer, a hacksaw, a flat blade screwdriver, a sledgehammer, a bandsaw, a Phillips head screwdriver, and a ball peen hammer. Did you get all that? Claw hammer, hacksaw, flat blade screwdriver, sledgehammer, bandsaw, Phillips head screwdriver, and ball peen hammer. In that order, it seems a little haphazard. How about if I said it this way? Imagine you have a bunch of tools. These tools are broken up into three categories. First, hammers that we use to strike objects. Second, saws we use to cut objects. And third, screwdrivers we use to tighten or loosen screws. In the first group is a claw hammer, sledgehammer, and ball-peen hammer. In the second group is a hacksaw and a bandsaw. In the third group is a flathead screwdriver and Phillips-head screwdriver. By categorizing the tools, we are able to better understand the context of how these tools are used. We are also able to see a closer likeness between the tools in the same group, such as the hammers. We know that a claw hammer is closer to a ball-peen hammer than it is to a bandsaw. And we're also able to see the bigger differences between categories like saws versus screwdrivers. This is the basis of categorization. And we do the same thing as people. So we are constantly categorizing things, and we do that to make sense of the world around us. Like our tool example, we were able to categorize the tools from a broader group of just tools to smaller groups, such as things that cut or things that hit other things. It is a cognitive process. To do it, we are looking at the items and seeing which ones have sharp teeth versus which ones are heavy enough and strong enough to hit other things. We do the same thing to people when we see them. 
For example, is that guy on the motorcycle coming up behind you wearing a white helmet, black clothes, and a shiny badge? Or is the motorcyclist wearing a beanie helmet, leather vest, and sporting a long beard? Or is that motorcyclist wearing a full-face helmet, leather racing gear, and riding a sport bike? Depending on whether we categorize that rider as a police officer or outlaw motorcycle gang member, we'll drive our response to that person and the stimulus that person brings to the context of the situation we are in. So, it's easy to see how categorization plays a part in our everyday lives. Now, let's turn the lens to how this affects our behavior. So, let's listen to this quick clip and think about the roles they're playing to drive their behavior. Here's what's going to happen. I am going to have to fix you, manage you to, on a more personal scale, a, a more micro form of management. Jim, what is that called? micro -gymen. Boom. Yes. Now, Jim is going to be the client. Dwight, you're going to have to sell to him without being aggressive, hostile, or difficult. Let's go. All right, fine. <clears throat> Bring. Bring. Hello? Hello, this is Dwight Schrute from the Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Wow, that's great, because I need paper. Excellent, then you are in luck, because we are having a limited time offer only on everything. Wow, this is my lucky day. Ask him his name. What is your name, sir? I am Bill Butlicker. Really, that's your real name? How dare you? My family built this country, by the way. Be respectful, Dwight, please. Uh, uh, yes, Michael. Could you hold on one second? That's my other line. What? No, but I... Hello? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just on the phone with this stupid salesman. He's so dumb. Probably just gonna keep him on the line forever and not buy anything. <laughs> okay. It's up to you to change his mind. Sorry, that was a family emergency. Oh no, what's wrong? You know what? That's private. Boundaries, Dwight, come I'm, on. I'm sorry, Mr. Butlicker. As I was saying, <sighs> we're having a limited... Speak up a little bit louder, I'm hard of hearing. He's hard if he's an old man. Okay, as I was saying, right now yeah, we're yeah, having... talk louder. Okay. Our prices have never been lower. Son, you have Certainly. to talk louder. Never been lower. Louder, I son! Butlicker! Our prices have never been lower! Stop it! Heat! That is totally inappropriate. You never yell at the client. You now never you listen yell at the to client. me, sir. Here we go. The three words I would describe you as is aggressive, yes. hostile, and definitely difficult. Please, Mr. Butlicker. I'm irate right give now. Give me the phone. Please give me He's another irate. chance. Give me the phone. Mr. Butlicker. Give me the phone. I have to put you on with my boss. Well, I should hope so. Who is this? Hello, this is Michael Scott, regional manager. Well, this is William M. Butlicker. Hello, Mr. Butlicker. How may we help you? Michael, I like the sound of your voice. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to buy $1 million worth of paper products today. <laughs> See how it's done? Thank you very much, sir. I don't think you'll regret it. You are the master. There is one condition, Michael. Yes. You have to fire the salesman that treated me so terribly. Don't do it, Michael. So in that little clip from The Office, we could see how the roles we play, the roles we adopt, can drive our behavior, can drive our communication, can drive how we interact with others. Yeah, it's a funny clip, and right, they were obviously playing roles beyond the boundaries of what might be normal behavior, but it's a great way to, for us to just think about how each of these roles we adopt that play a part in our lives actually drive the things that we do and how we see the world around us. I think most people understand the first part of this episode because we're dealing with categorization and it's something we do all the time. Is that a fruit or a vegetable? Is that red meat or not? Is that car fast or slow? 
we also do it with people we meet. So categorization is a pretty simple concept to understand, even though it is complex in application. So what is self-categorization? It's basically the same things we've been talking about, but we do it to ourselves. When we self-categorize, we're doing the same thing. As we categorize ourselves, we create prototypes of what each of these categories means to us. This allows us to behave in a socially acceptable way given the context of a situation and the role we are playing. Am I behaving as a parent, a spouse, a boss, a friend, or a teammate? That role that's important to us at the time is the role we will play to guide our behavior. So imagine a large organization that has a very talented engineer working for it. The engineer does a wonderful job and is well ahead of their peers on knowledge of products and how they're designed and created. They're so good that they skyrocket through the engineering ranks, and before long they are promoted to a management job, leading a group of other engineers. The people that fail to excel in these opportunities are the ones that tend to get coaching as they transition to new jobs and new roles. Some of them fail because there is a mismatch in the role they are supposed to be playing and the role they are used to playing that guides their behavior. In other words, they are a screwdriver trying to saw a piece of wood. The screwdriver may eventually cut through, but it's an ugly process and the outcome is not what is expected or what would be acceptable. So when trying to transition ourselves or help another person transition to a new role, we can use the self-categorization process. We can use it because it gives us a framework when trying to change human behavior. The ability to place yourself into categories makes two things possible. First, it allows people to be social animals. Because we want social belonging, because we are social animals, this process of categorization allows us to be socially acceptable to other groups. Second, it explains how a person can be affected by social factors. Self-categorization explains why an identity may become important to someone, resulting in an impact on a person's psychology. So don't let the fancy term self-categorization theory interfere with your understanding that people self-identify. And this self-identification relates to their own motivation to make decisions based on those identities. A person categorizing themselves is the beginning of how they make decisions based on group belonging. And this process really has four steps to it. Don't get hung up on the steps, though. Because the real application you can think about in your, in your own life or in the life of someone you are trying to help. So there is a four-step process to self-categorization. First, a person defines himself as a member of that category. Second, they learn or develop the behaviors that go along with membership of that category. Third, they assign norms and attributes of that category. And then the fourth and last step is that behavior becomes normalized as membership in that category becomes salient. All that means is as that role becomes more and more important, the behavior becomes more and more normal. So let's dive into these four steps a little bit deeper so we fully understand this process. The first thing people normally do is think of themselves as a member of a category. 
One of the easiest ways to think about this is think about a time that you started a brand new job. When you got that phone call or that letter or were offered the job on the spot, you began to identify yourself by the title of that job you were going to hold. And you were identifying with it within the context of the organization you were going to work for. Now, your information may have been limited, but you're already starting to build this prototype of behavior, this prototype of the role you were going to play. So the next thing that happened is that you began to learn what you were supposed to do in order to fulfill the requirements of that role. Here's an example from from my past. When I was in high school, one of my first jobs was at a local full-service gas station. And I grew up in a small town, so in this gas station, we actually pumped gas for people. Now, when I started working there, all I did was pump gas and clean the floors and things like that. I identified as a lower-level employee and learned that I needed to greet customers, fill their gas tanks, wash the windows, and check their oil if they asked. As my identity moved from attendant to assisting mechanics that worked at the shop, I learned to change oil, replace brakes, and change tires. The point to this is that we are constantly self-categorizing and adapting the identities we assign to ourselves to our new situations, to the world as we see it. And once the behavior is learned, we then begin to develop these patterns and model the identity we have assigned to ourselves. This can include how we dress, the words we use, and other examples of model behavior. For example, when I was working at that garage and I started working on cars, I got my own mechanics overalls with a little oval name patch that said Mike in script writing. Now, when I went out to greet customers, I noticed that people changed the conversations they had with me. Customer would still ask, could you check the oil? However, instead of stopping there, sometimes they would follow up with, hey, there's a squealing sound that comes from my car when I first started. What could that be? Now, I may not have known the answer, but because I had self-categorized myself as an assistant to the mechanics instead of just the guy that pumps gas and cleans the floors, I felt it was my duty to know And then I went and found out. I began to adopt the behaviors and normal attributes of that category of assisting mechanics. The more I learned, the more that identity became salient, which means the more it became important to me when I was working at that gas station. Before long, I was able to answer many of the questions I believed an assistant should know. Although I may not have known exactly how to change a squealing belt or all the accessories that belt had to drive, my behaviors, knowledge, and skills to support that identity that I had adopted became part of how I acted and reacted every time I was at work. Little things can help identify when someone has self-categorized as a particular identity. Those little things can be noticed and can help when recognizing these behaviors we seek And it can support the identities we're trying to make important, the identities we're trying to make salient, given a particular context in a particular situation. This includes your own self-categorized identities and the identities of people we might be trying to help. So in this episode, we discuss the importance of self-categorization to change behavior. Think about the roles you have played, the roles you have adopted, and the roles you want to play in the future. If you can imagine yourself in that role, you are well on your way. If you're trying to help your kids, a peer, or a client to reach a higher level of performance, think about how you might explain a new role to that person. 
and think about the four steps that people need to go through to internalize an identity they're going to use to drive their own behavior. Remember, people are storytelling social animals, and if you can explain new roles and behaviors to yourself or another person through a story that impacts emotions, the chance of that role becoming real increases. Thanks for listening. I welcome any questions you might have about this episode. Please visit www.crucialtalks.com to find out more about me or the presentations I provide. I'm available to answer any of the questions you have about today's episode on self-categorization or any of the past episodes. Just reach out to me through the website using email, LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook, and I'll be more than happy to talk to you. Have a great week, and remember, if we want to understand behavior, we need to understand what drives people.